0: Hello and welcome to the Verblio Show. This is the podcast for digital agencies and digital marketers brought to you by Verblio, the friendliest content creation platform in the business. I'm your host, Steve Pakras, and I'm Verblio CEO. Today I'm speaking with John Harris, President and CEO of Worldwide Partners, Inc. John is leading a radically different and hugely ambitious company that acts as a reverse holding company for digital agencies. They offer a network of superpowered teams through 70 agencies in 40 countries. John has seen it all from big agencies to startups and enterprise brands, which is why he's an amazing person to ask about excelling as a marketer through current times. John and I talked on June 3rd, 2020. I hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, everyone. I am very excited to be here with John Harris. He is the president and CEO of Worldwide Partners. They are an agency network of 70 agencies across 40 countries and $5 billion in, uh, in billings. They do. Uh, he has a deep experience with thirty years of strategy and marketing executive experience at agencies, small businesses, and large brands as well, uh, and brings to us a truly unique perspective. Thank you, John, for joining us on the Verblio Show.
1: Thanks, Steve. Thirty-year number makes me feel old. Um, so I guess. I'll, I'll, no, I'll go with tenured or experienced. Mm. Um, thanks for having me today.
0: Uh, my pleasure to have you. Part of the reason I'm most excited to have you on on the show is we haven't had anybody who's come on with a truly global view of what is going on across countries. But before we dig into that, can you tell us more about Worldwide Partners and the very unique business model that you have put together?
1: So, uh, as you said, we have 70 agencies in 40 countries. And the best way to think of us is a reverse holding company model. So, all of our agencies remain independent, 100% independence. We don't own the agencies. The agencies actually own the network. So my accountability as CEO is is actually to a board of directors of 10 agency leaders around the globe who work with me to set the strategy and the the financial goals of the network. Uh, An agencies pay an annual fee to be part of our network and in return, they have a community of like-minded peers, uh, entrepreneurial independent agencies who, as we've seen now more than ever, uh, amidst the crisis that's going on around us, this ability to tap into learnings, kind of what we're doing here now, uh, from a, a group of peers is is incredibly valuable, but it also gives agencies um, a multinational scale without the time and expense and the risk of, uh, of opening up offices all over the world. So we've got an agency in the US who needs to support a client in China, uh, they'll tap into our our agencies in China uh, there to help them on the activation piece. Uh, we're working across B2C, uh, several um, um, client agencies working in the travel and tourism space, which we know is is feeling some challenges right now, B2B and, and healthcare as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a model that's really built on collaboration. And I spent several years in the holding company environment uh, where we had offices with the same brand name and the global leadership team and the consolidated P&L and Uh, a common process. And the reality of it is we could not collaborate between our offices because we were all fighting for money and control. And I think the independent agencies, um, you know, when you call another office for support, the first question they ask is, okay, how can I help? And so there's a a level of accountability and reciprocity to each other that's within the the independent spirit that is really, really special. And so um, scaling through collaboration um, and we've been doing it for 82 years, uh, is is really kind of the core of our of our proposition.
0: Can you share some of your unique global perspective on how the trends are different across countries from how this crisis evolved and where you, uh, where we're at right
1: now? So we've been having um, roundtables with our agencies uh, across the globe every two weeks and really trying to learn from each other. And I think if you look at, probably the most obvious point to start is, is, is what's happening in China, right? If we talk to our agencies there, uh, they're starting to to return to work. Uh, clients are actually coming to offices uh, for meetings. Um, I think the most obvious piece, that's not just in China, but everywhere, has been a massive shift towards uh, e-commerce, um, right? I mean, with, with consumers being uh, at home more, uh, there's been an acceleration of the e-commerce trends that we saw at an extremely rapid rate. And clients are not just looking for tactical solutions. Um, they're seeing this as an opportunity to not just adapt to a new normal, but to really reposition kind of their business model overall, and so I think that one of the key trends there is, is agencies are, are really leaning in as business partners and more consultative, uh, and not just in tactical executors of, of digital strategies. Um, I think one of the really really interesting dynamics that we're seeing, and, and China I think is leading the way from a technology perspective on this one, um, is that because of the the very nature of a, a mobile first environment, both on a pay perspective. Uh, as well as the device perspective they're trying to find ways to mimic the kind of human experiences that happen in a traditional retail environment through an online environment right so prior to people starting to open back up um, if you couldn't go in and talk to your 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 salesperson and get the into consulting work they have uh, agents now uh, that are working from the agent, from the clients who are building out their own WeChat programs to talk directly to customers so it's not going through a branded area. They're enabling their salespeople to talk directly to customers. So they're bringing this, what I call HX, uh, not just CX, but the human experience element mm-hmm. really to their, their e-commerce strategies, which I think is a really, really, is going to be, a, I think, a sustained dynamic um, coming out of this. I think the other dynamic that we're starting to see in, and this is more global uh, in nature um, is really a shifting in messaging, right? We've all seen the communications in and around we're in this together. Um, you know, stay safe, stay home. Uh, and I think that there's a little bit of, of, of just kind of finessing of the messaging that's starting to happen because consumers are like, okay, we're in this, we've buckled down, we know what we need to do here, but can we go back to uh, a little bit more branding, messaging, and in some cases, some entertainment. Um, and so that's taking on uh, new content and video that's not just around, um, you know, um, wear your mask. And so that's a big shift that we're starting to see. I think Latin America, you know, Brazil is getting hit very, very hard. Um, and they've been now starting to get up to speed and really trying to maximize the e-commerce efforts that are there, uh, but a little bit lagging and more behind. And I think the US and the UK have been hit probably the hardest, um, both from a staffing perspective, but uh, maybe in some of the brands perspective um, and, and the marketing efforts are doing. If you look at our travel and tourism clients, they've been dark. All right. I mean, just stop. But now we're starting to see a little bit of we'll be here when you're when you're ready. So I think that the the shift in messaging, um, the the shift towards e-commerce, uh, and then shifting towards helping clients transform their business in a more consultative way are kind of three areas that we're seeing um, across the globe.
0: Are there any other major trends that you're seeing from the brands and what projects are being requested of your agencies?
1: Yeah, I, I I've the, the new business process is, is, and the pitch process is is such an inefficient and ineffective um, effort uh, across the board, both on the agency and the client side. And I think that one of the things that's come out of this is that clients are really focusing on the next 90 days, right? Because we don't know what's going to happen six months from now, 12 months from now. We were already on a trend of, you know, the days of a 12, an annual plan were, were kind of ending because we were always optimizing our efforts. And so maybe it was a six-month plan. I think now we're starting to see everyone focus on a real 90-day effort. What do we need to do now to get us to phase two? And then we can talk about phase three in another 90 days. So I think the result of that has been much tighter briefs, um, uh, perhaps shorter term um, and and maybe lower fees uh, and budgets for these projects, but they're very, very specific of what clients are wanting. So um, um, you're not going through these multiple layers, weeks and weeks of pitch processes or reviewing an assignment. They're getting very, very specific and very efficient in the distribution of the work. Um, and so I think it's a massive, massive trend of clients just saying, here's what we need to do right now. Um, and I think that's creating opportunities for actually new agencies to come in because they're being to explore new options and perhaps giving a similar assignment to multiple agencies. So uh, shorter scopes in time and in, in, in breadth and depth of work um, and yes, some smaller fees, but I wouldn't be afraid of that because I think that you actually have an opportunity as an agency to to, to bill more for that because clients are looking for a quicker turn. I think on the, um, um, uh, the work from home piece, I think the genie's out of the, the bottle on this one. I think everybody's realizing uh, that uh, we don't have to have people sitting in front of us, you know, nine to five, five days a week um, um, to, to, to know that people are being productive. Every agency, uh, and even on the client side that I've spoken with, Um, they have not lost efficiencies. They have actually gained some productivity and in some cases, some effectiveness. The other move that I I really want to spend some time talking about, whether it's now or or later on in the the session, is the move towards in-housing, right? This has been a trend that we've seen over the last two years. Um, And I think that clients are bringing more and more of their transactional services in-house, whether that's um, um, programmatic media, whether that's page search, uh, but my former boss said, you know, clients sometimes are going to realize that doing paid search is not that complicated, that they can bring it in-house. Um, I, I agree with them to some extent, because I think you can run the paid search campaign in-house. But I think there's value of bringing an outside perspective on that, who's bringing in other, other um, verticals and thinking to the table. But I think there's been a, a massive acceleration now, and clients are looking at the in-house pieces. Hey, if, if, if I can, can save dollars and do this on my own. That we're going to continue to do that's moving forward. So um, I think those three kind of areas we're seeing the clients um, uh, responding um, on as a result of of COVID nineteen. We just moved our search in house as well. So um, I'm glad we're part of a good trend. Uh, but
0: we learned a ton from agencies in order to get us here. Like they had to enable us. Let me let me ask. So the trend about in housing seems to be running counter to a lot of other trends in the post. Uh, well, we'll just call it the COVID economy, which is so many companies are trying to shed FTE and turning them into, uh, uh, into fractional workers. Uh, I'm, I'm interested how those two trends uh, are, are working together and do you think it's very specific for these marketing functions?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, when, when this trend started two years ago, what I said was um, that the minute we hit a recession, all these in-house marketing teams are probably gonna be the first ones to go. <laughs> right we're always um, first. Um, and, Right, we're all, and so but i think right now i haven't seen that happen yet i predict it's going to it's going to happen i believe that that, that the clients are going to get to a point depending on the travel that, like the category like travel and tourism that if they staffed up the places they start looking for redundancies are in accounting uh, unfortunately sometimes in hr and then in, in, in legal um, and then unfortunately sometimes it's marketing so um, they do run a little counter to each other but um, um, i think that if you look at right now where clients are wanting to control the data and manage risk. Uh, there's some confidence uh, which, which says something about what work we have to do as agencies in building up that trust is that if I've got it in-house, um, I'm close to the, to the consumer, I'm close to the data. Um, and so we'll see if it gets to a point where, where they have to, to do layoffs, if those in-house teams are going to stay. But on the fractional workforce piece, I think this is relevant for both clients and for agencies. Um, because of the work from home um, experience uh, has been working so well to the to many agencies and I think some of the clients have been very, very surprised. I think what you're going to realize is that as you start to manage your operational costs, that you're going to see more agencies and more clients get to a, a, a more balanced FTE versus fractional workforce uh, environment because it's keeping operation costs down. Uh, I think the real estate piece of this is, is going to come into, um, into play Um, And so what that allows everyone to do now is, well, we can, we can work with what we used to call freelance talent or the gig economy and, and refer to it as what I call the independent economy, right? I can, it's, I can bring these people into my team in the same way that I did my, my full-time employees in a way that's very uh, culturally connected. And if you are uh, an agency or a client who is now looking to diversify your workforce, um, you've opened your mind to the ability, I can tap into talent. Anywhere in the world, but I think moving forward, you might see agencies at 50% FTE and 50% fractional workforce. And I think kind of the, the, on the agency side, the, the, the position that I think is going to be a, much in need is this, this hybrid of a, an HR person and a, um, a talent resource. Um, someone who has the ability to, to manage the logistics of finding the right people, but also the softer skills of making this team feel part of the agency uh, and not just hired guns. Um, so I think that's kind of a, an interesting role that we may see um, come to fruition here uh, as a result of this. Excellent.
0: I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a very interesting trend to watch. I think all three of those trends are going to happen at once. and there's going to be more of an ecosystem approach to staffing, which is going to be, you've got your full-time FTE that we're all used to. You've got your fractionals who are now kind of like, these are the people who are doing very, a huge percent of their time that you control directly. And then you've got your outsourcing, your marketing agencies, your your content companies, uh, and it's all got to work together. And I think there's going to be a lot of thought leadership about how do you manage all of that together as the next wave of management?
1: Well, yeah. And I think you put it really well there, Steve, because it's, 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 um, it's how, as a client, am I going to manage this ecosystem of resources, not just we're going to outsource this because, um, you know, we can't afford to do it, or we're going to in-house this because we want control of the data. It's, those are real kind of knee-jerk reactions to um, what's happening now? I think the, the, the marketers to take a step back and think about this is this is my entire digital ecosystem and, and, and bring in the right pieces uh, in a holistic way versus how do I address this pain point now are the ones that are going to be successful.
0: Awesome. I'm going to transition. I think uh, most of our conversations over the last two months have been about Uh, the post COVID response. And I'm excited to talk to you about broader marketing trends and where we move forward from here too. Let's go into pitching, uh, pitching agency services to large brands where you have a ton of experience. Uh, What are some of the big mistakes that agencies make when they're pitching projects to brands?
1: Well, I'm a, I'm a big believer in punching above your weight. Right. Um, And I think that um, as agencies, we always have the allure of of the big clients, right? They're, They're they're great names, they're gonna have more money, it's gonna give us more credibility uh, as an agency. But um, I also think that we should um, realize that with larger clients, um, there are more layers, right? Mm -hmm. Many times they've got in-house tech, Uh, many times they have procurement, many times they have more agencies, Um, and some of them are big agencies that they're working with. And sometimes the perception of having more money is not always the case. So I think that that the mistakes that we make if we are a smaller agency and we've been invited to go and pitch up against an iProspect, prospect, uh, uh, an RGA, someone of that level, um, you know, we want to come in and say we can do everything, right? We can we, we can do everything that they can do, and we're and we're you know we're we're more nimble and we're more agile. And I think that um, what I would caution you um, uh, is realizing that that every digital agency that I know has started off and launched with kind of one really core strength, right? We were very strong on mobile apps and we expanded into SEO and Page search. We we're really strong in programmatic and we expanded into building websites because clients wanted us to do it. But if you are going up against a much larger agency for a client that you don't have much credibility, I would suggest lean into that one core service or that one core expertise that you have and leverage that as your, 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 your seat at the table right? So don't go in and try to be everything to, to everyone. So I think the other thing is as agencies, uh, and this isn't just working with big clients, but I think that we, we tend to focus on the problem and not the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So an RFP comes through and it says, all right, we've, you know, we've got to increase our our, our top of the funnel uh, traffic. Uh, we have to increase our, our conversion rates, right? So, you know, you go in and say, well, the problems are your landing pages uh, need to be, you know, optimized and we need to spend more money on programmatic display and building the funnel and bringing things in. Well, those are, those are problems. And those are what age, all agencies are gonna to bring to the table. But if you take a step back and say, well, what's, what's really the opportunity here? You may say, start asking yourself questions around, is the product mix right um, in our e-commerce environment? Right? Do we have the right SKUs? Uh, or if you're losing um, uh, traffic to Amazon, say, okay, well, what is the opportunity with Amazon? Instead of trying to fix the problem of, we don't wanna go, we wanna go direct to consumer, what do we look like in the Amazon environment and how as agencies can I demonstrate to the client that we can help you maximize this opportunity, not just um, fix this problem. And I think the last thing I would say, and this is you know across the board, smaller agencies going in and pitch bigger clients tend to give things away. Mm. Don't just come in and say, well, we're going to do it cheaper because we want to get the business because I have found more often than not, it is harder to raise your prices than it is to lower your prices. Right? So don't feel like you have to, to give it away just to get the big client
0: you have a very unique perspective having worked both in smaller brands larger brands and at agencies and i'm wondering if you have uh some um um, some guidance on what those what those three different constituencies can learn from each other
1: yeah well i i think that um let's start with what i think what agencies can learn from clients okay Um, at the end of the day clients care about one thing Right. And for the clients that are out there, please don't take this the wrong way. But it's not it's a very similar thing that I care about. It's job security, right? And and your job security is tied to, to business performance. Right. So when you're when you're talk when they're talking to their CEOs, all the CEO cares about is how are we moving the, the business forwards. And I think agencies want to do that as well. But I think where one place that we falter, um, where clients I think are 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 just engineered to to be this way is when we start thinking about reporting of data, right? We've got proprietary dashboards. We have, you know, licensed dashboards. Clients have dashboards. And we go in and we look at our monthly reports and we start looking at return on ad spend and we start looking at conversion rates and repeat purchases and basket size and all the kind of KPIs and the levers that we think that we we can pull to help the clients demonstrate, you know, what's going on, right? We come back with these really great weather reports, right? Here's what's going on. Um, it's, it's, it's raining. Um, but what the client wants to know is, okay, why is it raining? Right? And if I'm in Phoenix, I want you to rain, make it rain more. And if I'm in Seattle, I want you to make it rain less, right? And so we're, we're really great at delivering the what. We've got to get better at the why, right? That's what clients need from us. I need to understand the why. And, and I need to understand, okay, so what? Okay, why, did, why does this matter to me? And then now what? Okay. what am I going to go do with this and go? So I think clients are, that's our clients are thinking, all right, what's happening, why is it happening? Why do I care and now what, what, what do I do? I think like agencies can learn from clients and, and really start moving from weather reporting to, to weather management. Um, so I think that's what agencies can learn from clients. Uh, I think what clients can begin to look for from, from agencies um, is that, you know, we all want to be partners. Right? We don't want to be a service provider, but the reality, we're, we're a service provider, that's what we do. Clients engage us to, to provide a service. I think what agencies do extremely well, um, and it falls into this, this idea of partnering, is, is collaboration. Right? I mean, co- agencies consistently work cross-functionally, cross-departmentally, um, uh, and, and working not just within their own agencies, but with other agencies, and realize that the power of collaboration to get to the best idea uh, is really, really powerful. Uh, I think clients can 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 be more collaborative, more collaborative in-house, certainly more collaborative uh, with their agencies. If you start comparing big agencies versus small agencies and big clients versus large clients, I think that, that and I'm now somewhat biased working with independent agencies, you do tend to be smaller. Um, mm. Uh, just, they just get it done, right? It's, it's, it's agility, it's testing things, it's moving very quickly, it's, it's um, um, a spirit of collaboration that you don't always see in the large agencies because there's all these layers, right? right. And, and the way that people many times are bonused are, are not bonus based on collaboration. So I think the smaller agencies tend to be um, more agile, you get to work with the senior team, you don't have the layers. And I think if the larger agencies could take some cues from the smaller agencies of let's just get it done, um, I think they would benefit. And I think larger clients can look at, um, at smaller clients and start to see, wow, some of the similar things. It's, you know, we don't have to completely re-engineer everything. Let's pilot some things and test and test and test and test and learn. Um, and I think where the smaller brands can learn from the larger brands is think bigger. Yeah. Right. They may be slower to get things done, but they tend to think a little bit bigger, even more global. Um, And I think just raising your aspirations um, um, would be something the smaller clients could work from learn from the large.
0: That's excellent. I uh, particularly respond to the uh, how to work with an outsourced agency, because one of my top pieces of guidance for our clients is that. Treat your outsource writers as if they're you're onboarding someone to your company. They are an extension of your company and you already have a plan for how you onboard anyone. Your agency is going to be the exact same way. They have to understand you and you have to have like a, a grace period where you're bringing them on and sharing information before you get the results you're looking for.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's, there's shadow headcount you know, I mean, and you look at it when you're when you're on the on the brand side and you're not, if you're on the marketer and you're not getting the information you need from the sales department or you're not getting the information you need from operations, it's very frustrating. I can't do my job. Well, the agencies are in the same way. If they're not having access to the same data that you have um, and you're not treating them as a, a collaborative kind of peer, you're not going to get the best work out of them. So, um, you know, think about how you would want someone to engage you uh, and, and and, you know, Treat your agencies the same way.
0: What is your number one piece of advice for the modern digital agency?
1: This is a, a bit of a soapbox for me. I would say pick a lane. Everybody feels, this is something with, there's 100,000 agencies uh, in the U.S. between holding companies independent. Everybody's saying the same thing, right? We're a digital yes. agency built on technology with great people. We're agile, and, and we're about results. I mean, I, I see a lot of agency websites, and they're just absolutely invisible. So I think pick a lane. And, and people are hesitant to do that, right? Uh, because they're afraid that if i pick picking a lane, I'm going to miss out on an opportunity. And I believe that if you pick a lane, you're actually creating more opportunity, right? Because specialization scales, right? If you're the best digital agency in supporting B2B brands, B2B brands looking for the best digital agency are going to find you. It doesn't matter where you are uh, in the world. Um, when you have a specialization, it drives and becomes the filter for every decision you make as an agency. The people that you hire the clients you're gonna go after, the technology you're gonna license or the technology that you're gonna build, uh, your story. Uh, picking that lane gives you a level of focus. And maybe most importantly, picking a lane allows you to, to charge a premium. Specialists can charge more than generalists. You know, I worked for a, a retail promotion agency one time that wanted to get into advertising, right? We wanna do TV commercials. Well, when you looked at the P&L, uh, at the clients that we did retail for, which was our specialty, and the clients that we did TV for, there was an extra zero on the other end of that revenue.
0: What are some of the more surprising or interesting things that you have found uh, you and your family doing during this time of isolation?
1: Well, we had uh, we had made a decision to adopt a um, uh, an English retriever before COVID nineteen, um, and so now that we're here, um, he's now fourteen weeks old and taking up every moment um, of the day i'm surprised he hasn't barked during this so um, you know it's found us you know teaching dog tricks and doing a lot more walks and um cleaning up around a, a puppy than uh, than we had um, than we had anticipated oh my god are you guys fighting for who gets to walk the dog um no well <laughs> now we are because up until last week walking him was an actual just it, it was crazy he would just sit and not move so um, now that he's moving yeah it's nice to get outside and um and not be on a zoom call all the time
0: (laughs) completely uh well john thank you so much for your time thank
1: you so much for your guidance and thanks for joining me on the on the verblio show my pleasure that's it for this episode of the verblio show
0: thanks for tuning in this is steve pakross in denver colorado signing off